Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We have an amazing episode today. You are not going to want to miss it. We have a local legend, uh, Coach Joe Spano out of Mercyhurst University. He's been the head baseball coach for over 20 years. He's amassed an amazing record there. 18 consecutive winning seasons, has an amazing family, four kids, lovely wife. Uh, everyone has been successful in this family. Um, I, I really look forward to this episode because I'm going to get to learn a lot more about Joe and kind of what makes him tick. He's going to get to know a little bit more about me, what makes me tick. And make sure at the end you stay tuned to the Sawbones Challenge, as always. I'm a little scared because I heard Rumor Mill, he's actually a basketball guy and and. Uh, that was his primary love in terms of athletics and sports to watch. So I could be in trouble. So stay tuned. All nurses to the nurses station. Lawless country people are real close family. Some of my kinfolk don't get around too good, you see. When that doctor asked them, son, how'd you get in this condition? They says, hey, soft bones, I'm just a carrying on an old family tradition. They want to know, doc, Tell me all about it, Doc. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hey Sawbones, my story, my passion. Uh, I'm Ryan Molly, orthopedic surgeon, cutter of bones, entrepreneur, business owner, most importantly, loving husband and father of three young and very active boys. And I am extremely excited today to... Uh, host this guest. Um, for those of you in the Erie area, those of you in the Mercier's community and even the larger community of Northwest Pennsylvania, he really doesn't need any type of introduction. He is well, well known in the area. He's been uh, part of athletics in Northwest Pennsylvania for over 20 years. It's hard to believe that it's been that long. Um, and he is the head baseball coach at Mercier's University. I almost call it a college because that's what it was when I graduated from there. But but really, really excited to just introduce him. Great individual, great coach, puts so much into the community in terms of athletics. Uh, he's an amazing husband, father, um, four kids. Four kids. So, yeah. So, uh, without further ado, Joe, Joe Spano, by the way. Thank you, Ryan. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure coming. to be here. And I, thank you. So, we kind of talked a little bit about what we're going to do, kind of the format of things. Um, but the way that I always like to start this out is really to learn more about you because I know who you are. Uh, and most of my guests that I've had on here thus far, I've known quite a bit about them. I know less about you. I've, I've seen your CV. Um, I mean, I'd like to kind of go through just a couple of those highlights before you, because you're probably not going to 
be as, uh, you're going to be super humble, I'm sure. But um, I'm just looking down through your career highlights here. And sorry, I have to read this, but there's so many of them. Um, I'm going to highlight some of the, the top ones that I see. But the Chuck Tanner National Col uh, Collegiate Coach of the Year, he was inducted to the Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame for the Erie Chapter, Erie Times uh, Newsmail Sports Person of the Year. He's a three-time ABCA Region Coach of the Year, four-time NC. BWA, I don't know what those initials mean, but Region Coach of the Year, three-time ECAC Coach of the Year, seven-time Conference Coach of the Year. Uh, these two are probably the most impressive to me. He is the all-time wins leader at Mercyhurst Athletics history uh, with 742 wins and 433 losses. Um, and this one stands out the most to me, 18 consecutive winning seasons. So, I mean, Joe, let, let's hear a little bit about who you are, where you're from, what brought you to Erie, Pennsylvania, and kind of all those little steps in between? Yeah, so I grew up in New York City area in Queens. Um, I, I started my college education at Boston University, played on the baseball team. <clears throat> in my, so my After my sophomore year, um, the baseball program was cut uh, for Title IX reasons. And um, on a spring trip or something along the way, we had – Boston University had played this school, Lewis University. Mm -hmm. um, didn't know anything about it. Thought it was an easy win. And they ended up just annihilating us. And it was one of the first. Boston University was Division One, Lewis was Division Two, And <clears throat> just wondering about this program. And they were just this amazing Division Two, And just started to realize all the resources that Division Two and this whole world of Division Two, And... You know, at the end of the, my sophomore year, the program's cut. And one of the first calls I get is from Lewis University. And they said, we heard you cut the program. Where is that located? It's right outside of Chicago. It's okay. in, uh, you know, like the Joliet. I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, but 30, 45 minutes southwest of Chicago. Got it. <clears throat> so um, they just started talking about all the players they've had drafted and all the championships they won. And they were, I think they were number one in the country. And Boston University was just a great academic school and a lot of fun. Uh, but... I was so impressed with Lewis University and their drive to win and the way they ran this program. And, um, you know, I decided I'm going to go to Lewis University. I'm going to transfer to Lewis University, finish my last two years of college baseball at Lewis University. Um, what, what time frame is this? Like what year? This was 1995. Okay. So uh, that was my sophomore year. And, um, you know, just, just like I said, I was really impressed. It was very it was a very difficult, you know, it was far away. Yeah. I had family in Boston. We had a lot of fun. You know, our whole family was always like Yankees, Red Sox rival. We'd all call each other and Jets and Giants and Patriots. And it was, it was just a lot of fun. And this was, this was totally new. This was a really small campus. Um, but I just, I wanted to, you know, just play baseball at a winning program, similar to my experience in high school. And I was just blown away by the coaches and just thought that, this was just going to be a great opportunity. So you moved to the Windy City. So I moved to the Windy City, and I came up early for uh, transfer orientation, and the soccer team happened to be up early for their training camp, and um, met my wife the first, first couple of days there. She was on the soccer team. <laughs> and uh, So two collegiate athletes. Yeah. That's some yeah. pretty good genes yeah. right there. Yeah, my wife, uh, pretty pretty unbelievable. They didn't even have a, a – a, a women's soccer team in her high school. She went to an inner city Chicago high school. Wow. Um, she played on the on the boys team. So she had a walk on at Lewis University, but they were a very, very strong soccer program and the coach was awesome and he ended up giving her a scholarship. 
They went to, I think, two Elite Eights. Wow. And they actually played Mercyhurst. I was going to say, I feel like the volleyball team at Mercyhurst played Lewis University. Right, yeah. So there was definitely a a Lewis-Mercyhurst rivalry going on in a few sports. But the soccer programs were really top of the region. And my senior year, I think, we actually played Mercyhurst in baseball. Okay. So I'd never even heard of it. Uh, so we ended up playing Mercy Earth and, um, it, it, we ended up playing Mercy in the regional. And then I graduated, I, I didn't get drafted, but I was signed to play independent professional baseball. Um, my wife was, went on to law school for a little bit and where did she go? Was she in she went to Thomas Cooley in, in uh, Lansing, Michigan. Okay. So <clears throat> what uh, position were you in, in college baseball? So if at Boston University, I just played first base. Okay. When I transferred to Lewis, they moved me all over first, third, left, right. Um, I was a hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really care that much about defense my whole life. I was just hitting was what I enjoyed doing. Yeah. So um, I wish I would have focused on defense a little bit more. But yeah. um, but Lewis, they kind of plugged me around different places. The team was really good. Um, just different ways to get my bat in the order. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but yeah, I ended up, uh, me and my wife there, um, coach Joe Giordano left Mercyhurst in the fall of 97 to to become the head coach at Pitt. Um, the Lewis university assistant coach became the head coach at Mercyhurst. And I just remember him. I I had just finished playing pro ball, thinking about what I was going to do. And, um, he calls and he says, Hey, um, I got the job at Mercyhurst. Remember we played them last year? I said, yeah. And he's like, I need someone out on the East Coast to be, uh, you know, to be my assistant. <clears throat> and I just, you know, I thought of you. And, um, you know, we didn't have Google Maps or I, we had one cell phone in our house. And I just remember, you know, he just must have thought Pennsylvania, New York, they're, they're near each other. Well, get in the car seven <laughs> hours later with my, you know, my old school map. Yeah. And um, Did you have trip t- uh, trip ticks. Remember we, those? We, we didn't have anything. <laughs> I mean, it was literally old school paper map. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I just remember thinking, where am I going? This is so far. This is a seven-hour ride. And then it, even though it was January, you just you drive in those gates, and it's like, this place is unbelievable. Yeah. And what, just, So what year was that? Because you graduated Lewis probably uh, 97. 97. Yeah, so it was like, it was, it was in the winter of 97. I think it might have been like December or January. Okay. Probably January. Wow. Probably right after Christmas. And, um, I just, every, I mean, I just can't believe the hospitality, you know, that everyone yeah. showed towards me and people were excited that you were there and I just kind of fell in love with the place and it was supposed to be a full-time job, but you know, I don't know if you knew like, uh, Mr. Russo and Dr. Garvey, they, it wasn't a full-time job, but they kind of figured Is out a Pete way. Russo, right? Pete Russo, yeah. yeah. He just figured out a way to make it work and he's like, we like him, you know, we want you to be here and just worked at it every day. I mean, we just just got to spend a lot of time with the guys. It was just, we inherited a really great group of guys. You pro- you may have gone to school with some of them. And Well, it's funny because um, actually one of my patients, literally I did her knee yesterday. She was I was talking to her this morning. She goes, yeah, my uh, son-in-law, Nick Kulik, wanted to say hello to you because <laughs> I played intramural yeah. basketball against him. But that's that's the yeah, that's the group of guys I remember you. Yeah, he, he was there at that time, the right? That's right, yeah. yeah Nick so was, were you the assistant for a couple years? I was years the assistant then? for a couple years, and then, you know, it just – Coaches left and things happen, and I just remember uh, Pete Russo calling me in, and I was 24 years old, and he said, "You know, I know you're young and everything, and I don't, I don't expect anything, but what do you think if if you took over the job?" And I, 
was blown away. He said, yeah. the guys really like you, and I'll, I'll work with you on things. Don't worry about it. Um, so what year was that? It was 99. It was the spring of 99. Yeah, so that was my – because I, I came in – I graduated high school in 97. So yep. um, that would have been probably my between my sophomore and junior years that you yeah. transitioned that head coach yep. position. I remember you being there and being the head coach – and then, you know, when I came back, because I was gone for a while, yeah. and I'm like, are well, you still there? Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it, most <clears throat> other coaches that I knew from that time were, were not there anymore. Right, right. Right, yeah. regardless of the sport. Yeah, we had a we had a young group of coaches, and we were really close. It was We were really close with the admissions people. The, the athletic trainers were, like, some of my best friends. You know, I don't know if Lance was there. Yeah, was Lance Monksguard, right? Yeah, unbelievable group of people. And we were just really close, really good friends, and – just it felt like it felt Marianne like Love, Marianne still Sue, one of my best friends in the world. Yeah, Brad. Yeah, all that, all that crew was Matt and Asani there when you were there. I think so. Yeah. And then um, Amy, I'm trying to remember yeah. her. Yeah, I remember Amy from Florida. Yeah, yeah. she had always was wearing yeah. uh, Gators gear. Yes, she was. She's always wearing a Gator. That's Amy, how was I, it Stevens? It might have been. Yeah, Amy Stevens. Yeah. yeah. This is like a trip down memory lane right now. Yeah, I, it's uh, it's all coming back to me, but um, yeah, it's just one of those things, and then. My wife decided maybe law school is not for me, and she came out and she was actually the residence director at Northeast Campus. I know like that was really growing, okay. and our baseball field was out at the Northeast Campus. Sure. So it was just it was a great fit. And then she became really close with a lot of people at Mercer's Northeast. Um, she kind of grew with the campus too, and then we started having kids. She she stopped working for a little bit, but. Um, and, and I'll ask some of these when I ask some of your yeah. personal questions, but um, you have four kids. <clears throat> yep. Is Jillian your oldest? Jillian's the oldest, yep. And she is? 22. 22. Yep. Okay, so you guys started your family. You were in your mid-20s. I'm kind of trying to yeah, do the I'm math here. about 25, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Good stuff, yeah. I mean, um, my time at Mercer's was honestly some of the best years of my life. Yeah. Um, you know, you kind of always look back on things and you say, if I could go back to a certain period of time, I mean, I wouldn't change what I have now for that, but like yeah. if you could have a day, you yeah. know, just go back yeah. and, and see some of your, your buddies and, and friends and, you know, where, where life was a little bit simpler. You didn't have all the responsibilities. I I can imagine. I, 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 do, I remember you really well from, from, I was the intramural director and I remember you being at the gym a lot, both in, from, from the training room. And yeah. when, when you were, when you were a student, the, the student trainers were really involved. Uh, you had a lot of hands-on experience. And I think if you look at how well our Mercer students do in the world, you know, and how, how successful they've been, I think a lot of that is to, you know, great professors and oh. also just the hands-on experience that you guys were able to do. Yeah. I mean, I, as I was mentioned before we get started with this, always loved playing basketball. Would have loved to play college basketball. My sister, Kristen, played there from 94 until 98. Um, they had some really good teams. Um, I know her freshman year, I think they went to the Elite Eight with, like, Teresa Zumagala yeah. and that crew. Um, but I, I wasn't good enough to play even, you know, D2. I, I could have maybe sat on the bench, but um, the athletic training curriculum was so demanding, yeah. right? I mean, we had a sport every season, yep. and we had to be at pract every practice. We had to travel the teams. But when we had to go to practice, we had to get there an hour early because we had to do treatments before. And then we generally had to stay an hour afterwards yeah. to clean everything up and, and do treatments afterwards. So it was it was pretty demanding. There was a couple. You remember Nick Potter? Uh, Nick was one of our Nick by himself took a, a a full team to Florida on a spring trip and was there for ten days with us and just didn't know. Like 
I'm not surprised where he is. Yeah. I mean, he was just. So for those that you don't know, Nick, he's at Duke now. Yeah. He's their head athletic trainer. And uh, I think he does some sports performance stuff down there. He does, yeah. I mean, he was at the, like, I remember watching, I think it was the Brazil Olympic Games. Yeah. They're doing the opening ceremony and they're bringing the torch in. And the, the Mike, Coach K yeah. is walking in with the team. And you see all the NBA players, Carmelo, Anthony, this person, that person. And all of a sudden I see Nick Potter walking in with them <laughs> yeah. as part of the opening ceremony. I'm like, I know him. Yeah. And then do you remember Greg Beato? I do, yeah. So Greg played volleyball. Him and I were roommates. And um, his wife, Susan, uh, her maiden name was Gonham, uh, but married name now, Beato. She was a ATC student and a pre-physical therapy student, just like Nick was. Right. And, um, you know, they're married now. He's the head team physician at Virginia Tech for the men's basketball team. So he sees Nick yeah. because they're both in the ACC several times a year. And he'll, they'll send me photos when they when they play each other. So Unbelievable. Yeah. It's really unbelievable. So, you thirsty? Sure. I mean, it, we're, we're doing some talking, so yeah, um, yeah. I always do what's called a beverage break. So, um, okay. I've done some research into what what <laughs> Coach Joe, do you like Skip or Skipper or what's your... I like Joe. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I was texting uh, Anthony. <laughs> Thank you. So Thank you. We're, we're doing Guinness. All right. Here. So, All right. I had um, Allie. Allie Brace, That's right. she uh, she's our new kind of marketing director, and she does a lot of kind of like personal assistant things. I said, doing a podcast episode tonight, yeah. so she brought a bunch of stuff over, and I had her go and run and get some Guinness. So. Thank you. You didn't have to do that. Yeah, Thank you very much. So awesome. Hopefully, we're not going to explode all over the yeah. place here, but so cheers, by the way. Cheers. Salut. Thank you. Salut. Oh, you're fine. All right. So kind of the next thing that we generally do is our, our Q&A session. Yeah. So um, what you'll do is you'll ask me six questions, three business first, then three personal. Um, then we'll do a role reversal. I'll do the same thing back towards you. Um, the, the one cool little thing that you can do is if there's a question that I ask you that you don't really like, you can veto it. Okay. Um, I will and not, not your nephew veto, but, <laughs> and I will yeah. tell you, this is episode six or seven. I think it's seven actually. And not one person has vetoed any questions okay. yet. So okay. no pressure. All right. <laughs> All right. But, uh, fire away. So <clears throat> not to start right off with the business questions, but, um, you know, my, my dad's in New York city. Um, he's had this, uh, you know, this, this knee that kind of dis, dislocates ever since he's a kid, in and out. Um, it's, it's, it would always cause him some pain at the time, and then it would kind of go away. But he's at the point now where he's in a lot of pain. He needs to get it fixed. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we've been talking about someone who's reliable that, that can do something like this, and obviously I thought of you. What, what, uh, what's it like to, to uh, are you able to treat patients that are out of state? Like, what would that be like if you were able to? to do something like that. Yeah, no, actually I do it uh, more frequently than you would think. Um, Cause I was in practice in Michigan for about four and a half, five years before moving back here in 2015. <clears throat> and when I moved back here, I had probably five or six patients that I had done one knee or one hip and they wanted me to do the second one. And they, they would drive out for that. Yeah. I have tons of patients from New York. Um, I had a patient just a couple months ago from Corning, New York, where they make, you know, the glass. Yeah. And um, I think that's near the Finger Lakes, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, and he came down. I believe he was at, I think he was a, a hip, maybe it was a knee. And then I've had several patients from Florida, right? I mean, maybe they're snowbirds, but yeah. um, 
you know, they could have easily had it down in Florida, but they, right. they chose to come up here to get it done. So, yeah, I mean, does he live full-time there? He does, but, he you know, he comes up, spends a lot of time with us. Yeah. So, you know, we've been talking about it, and I was just, I was wondering, you know, is it is that something that yeah, we're is, getting, do, is doable? It, it absolutely is. I mean, we get people from Ohio, too, but yeah. um, generally what I would recommend is maybe that first week, yeah. week and a half-ish, maybe have him stay kind of close, close to, by, yeah. to here during his initial recovery. But after that, I think he can probably get back home and he'll be fairly independent. Yeah. And, and I mean, most patients are, you know, pretty surprised how well and independent they are doing just even after a week. You're yeah. usually not even on a walker or a cane. Yeah, it would be awesome if he would. Uh, I know he's he's done quite a quite a bit. You know, my dad spends a lot of time, both my parents, you know, they, they spend a lot of time up here. You might have even. Yeah, I met your, your mother um, yeah. this Past weekend or the weekend before yeah. up at the baseball fields. Yeah, but I was wondering. It would be it would be nice. Yeah. That what up. I would say is like maybe get his x-rays. Yeah. I can review them and kind of just give you kind of my thoughts based yeah. upon that. And then if, <clears throat> if even if he wants to do, I've done this a lot. Like I'll do like a, a, a first eval almost like Zoom yeah. wise. So you can maybe get to know me before right. making the trip out. And I don't want to say wasting his time, but like maybe get to know my personality a little bit to see yeah. if if we jive. Because I think, I think that's a big thing that, you know, patients um don't really realize sometimes is like they want to make sure that they're choosing the right surgeon and us as surgeons we want to make sure that we're we can choose our patients too sure, yeah. right and to make sure that it's a good fit yeah. like any kind of relationship awesome so, yeah um so what's been what's been the secret sauce for you for um being able to have you know two practices now that are like 45 minutes to an hour apart like how are you able to you know manage such a you know such a complicated operation so to speak in in two locations that are a good distance apart great leaders absolutely great leaders right so um i think when i first came out of the gates um you know it was when you're first coming out of your residency and your fellowship you're so focused on like just the, doing the surgeries right because you don't have your fellowship directors as your security blanket so you're, you're very, very hands-on with that. And you, you, the business side of things isn't even something that's in your head. Um, and we've never been taught that stuff either, unless you took business courses in undergrad. But med school, residency, fellowship, you're, you're kind of like observing it, but you're, you're not formally taught that stuff. So I would say uh, since 2015, when I um, really started, when we moved back to this area, I started to get very, very involved in like the business side of things. And, and in 2017, I formed whole health and, and we opened our doors on January 1st of 2018. And from then till now, which has only been five years, I've, I've learned a tremendous amount about the business side of things and the absolute importance of having a great team and, and leaders, because you realize like you can't be everywhere at the same time, just like yourself, right? Like you're, you're the head coach, but I'm sure you have a great pitching coach. I'm sure you have a great hitting coach, great fielding coaches. It, like, it, it takes a unit, and you need to work in unison to, to be able to have that success because even though I have the Erie office, um, I, I never see patients there. I'm always down in Meadville or, or doing surgery. So absolutely, hands down, it's it's the great leadership team that we have. Awesome. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so from a, from a vision standpoint, you know, what's kind of like the next thing for you? I know you're starting to, you know, you've, you've obviously been very successful um, in what, what what you do, what you've gone to school to do, what you've been trained to do. And I see that you, you know, you really enjoy getting out and 
trying new ventures and stuff. What's, yeah. what's kind of like the next thing that you've been thinking about doing? Yeah. So, I mean, love my day job, right? I, I, I have, um, I plan to do that for a very long period of time as long as I'm physically able and I'm able to enjoy it and I'm still good at it and, and patients still want me to do that. Um, but my goal has always been to not just be kind of like that regional expert, which, um, and I'm not being cocky or arrogant, but I, th- I think we're, we are that region expert now, uh, but starting to expand that. Um, you know, I have a huge passion, to, two things really, huge passion for um, really private practice and and trying to encourage and hopefully teach younger physicians, particularly orthopedic surgeons, but it doesn't have to be orthopedic surgeons. It could be any field of medicine that you can still run and operate a very successful private practice. Now it looks very different than it did five, 10, definitely much different than 20 years ago because reimbursements back then were very, very good. Professional reimbursements for hip and ear placements have gone down for the past 20 years significantly by 85%. I don't know any jobs that take 85% pay cuts. Yeah. So you have to figure out ways to deliver amazing care while still being able to keep your doors open. And, and we are the only, the, the last private practice in Northwest Pennsylvania, orthopedic-wise. Very proud of it, but it's very challenging. Again, you have to have great leadership. So I want to be able to like help swing that pendulum because young physicians have decided to go kind of the hospital employment route, which right. is fine. It's never anything that I was interested in. Um, I didn't want to be told what to do, how to do it. And, and by somebody that wasn't in the trenches doing it themselves. So I'm, as you mentioned, I have a, a huge vision entrepreneurial. So I like to be able to do what I want to do. And, and I don't want my patients to be able to get the care that I want, that I think that my parents would deserve, um, it, without exception. And then the second thing is, um, really starting to branch out kind of like what you brought up with your father is start to create more of a destination type of environment. Like we have some amazing partnerships. So we have whole health, which is an orthopedic practice, but our hospital Edgewood surgical hospital is hands down the place that you would want to go for your hip or knee replacement. It's a private physician owned hospital, um, single occupancy room. So you don't have a roommate and all we do at this hospital are uh, orthopedic cases and some ophthalmology cases as well as some pain cases, but I would say 75, 80%, if not higher as orthopedics. So you don't have infections, you don't have sick people, you don't have an ER. Um, and, and we also have a partnership with um, a resort in Warren, Ohio called the Grand Resort. So I have patients that are coming, staying at this very luxurious resort. It's a lot like Nemecolon. Yeah. If, if you've ever been there or heard of it, um, it's a kind of a golf destination. Yeah. And uh, you and your wife should definitely go down to the Grand Resort sometime. My wife and I will take the boys down. Yeah. Um, it's very friendly, family friendly. They have tons of golf courses, great restaurants, lots of recreation. There's a rec center with three indoor tennis courts, um, basketball, uh, golf simulators. It's it's awesome. Sounds awesome. That's, yeah. I, that's a great vision. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of want to be able to like be able to go to maybe some bigger companies and say, hey, because I know a lot of people are very frustrated with their insurance companies. Their deductibles right. are going up and saying, mm-hmm. if we could bundle this all together in a package for you would you be interested in in contracting with us for all of your patients orthopedic needs and i think there's a lot of even local companies that that would be interested in doing that absolutely yeah so yeah how Um, about personal questions well something i i I always kind of wondered since you know since uh you came back to this this region um was was i guess first of all what's it like to be back home 
it's been a little bit now. What's it like? And I guess also, was this part of your your plan? Was it part of your plan to come back? What was it like for your wife and the? And I think your wife's from Michigan. Yeah. What's it like for your wife and for the kids? And you know, what was the transition like? And you know, I guess was this part of your your? Grand I'll plan? answer your second question first. This was not part of the plan. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I came out of my fellowship in uh, 2010, 11. Um, I interviewed two places. I interviewed at St. Vincent in Erie, Pennsylvania, um, and I interviewed in Michigan. Both were private practices. Um, I, I had no interest in hospital employment. I wanted to be private, and you know, we we looked at both options. I want and family was so incredibly important to me. So I either wanted to be close to my family or to Karen's family. And at the end of the day, we chose. I think the business opportunity was better at, in Michigan, but. I also felt this sense. I was already familiar. I did my residency there. Uh, we spent one year in Columbus during my fellowship, but wanted to be uh, close to you know my my wife's family because at that time we had our first son Anthony in two thousand and eleven, and I graduated fellowship just a couple months after that. And you know our kids are the only source of grandchildren for my in laws, right. whereas my parents have thirteen grandkids. Yeah. Right. So um, it, it was pretty easy that way. This was never part of the plan moving back here. Um, once we were there, I figured that was what it was going to be. And in 2015, in the, I think it was February or March, I actually became a partner in my practice in Michigan. And then literally a couple months later, the stars aligned for an opportunity here. And my wife was the one that said, really, I should explore it. And then a week later, she was eight months pregnant. I think she had some chemicals floating through her brain pregnancy chemicals and she, she's like yeah no we're not doing that i'm like wait a second i'm i'm excited about it now yeah. and we i remember taking a legal pad i drew a line down the middle pros, pros cons, cons yeah. and she did the same thing and we went through this for about a month four weeks right right before she delivered luca our youngest and at the end of the day the pros far outweighed the cons and she she finally started coming around and she was like ryan this is the opportunity for you yeah. so um but your first question was how how is it like it was amazing you know when i first came back um being able to practice in meadville pennsylvania which is kind of my hometown um being able to take care of people that helped raise me i mean i did my high school french teacher's uh hip i did her husband's hip or knee um several people from church my best friend jared oaks i did his mom's hip several years back um you know just family friends um a, a buddy that was on the podcast a couple weeks ago um you know, Justin Johnson, local, he's, he's my age. Yeah. I've done a knee and two hips on him. Wow. He's 44, wow. right? So it just gaining that trust. Um, and I think a lot of that was, you know, just my family was well-known in the area and um, just have a tremendous amount of love and respect for my mom and my dad. And I feel like they did an amazing job of raising us four kids. I have three older sisters, um, but themselves creating like a very good, solid reputation for themselves yeah. so i almost felt like people trusted me almost by proxy because right. of my parents and they knew my family and they knew my grandparents and so it, it was it was awesome coming back that is awesome yeah that is awesome um so you're a big you're a big basketball fan basketball player i could tell you're still a big basketball fan yeah um your kids play multiple sports but we, we know they all play baseball. Yeah. So right now, 
what's what's kind of like, what's your favorite sport? What's your family's favorite sport? Which way would you be leaning for, <laughs> for your kids to to play? Yeah, with a baseball coach. So. I know. I feel like there's a lot of pressure. There's three <laughs> cameras here, and um, so I will tell you. So growing up, I played basketball nonstop and um, a little bit of baseball. I mean, I'm talking maybe into like second grade. And then I'm not sure when that transition from like uh, coach pitch to kids pitch occurs. That's when I stopped playing baseball. When I was like, wait a second, that kid's pitching? He's going to hit me. I'm done. And um, so it was very interesting that all three of our boys now play baseball. But um, in in high school, I played volleyball. And in in Meadville, volleyball was, they're both spring sports, baseball and, and, and volleyball. And in Meadville, especially where I went at Maplewood, you you played baseball if you couldn't make the volleyball team. It was a bigger sport there, um, but I will tell you, baseball is probably becoming one of my favorite sports to watch. I used to think it was the most boring sport. You know, you hear people talk about that. Oh, I can't watch it. And uh, but when the boys really got into it, I really fell in love with the game. I had and I still don't know a lot about it, but there's so much strategy, and there's so many different situations that so many other sports don't have like i think basketball is like very like reactionary right like it's instinct and this and that but like how many situations are there like there's a guy on first there's a guy on third there's this this many outs and like you got to watch for this you got to watch for that and i just feel like there's it's a very hard sport to teach a kid and for them to understand um but it has probably become my favorite sport to watch basketball has always been my favorite sport sport to watch like professionally right and to play but and i've coached all i've I coached uh t-ball and, and baseball for luca i've coached basketball for santino for many years two teams this past year and for anthony i coached flag football um probably flag football was my favorite sport to coach because it was just like fun yeah. not a lot of pressure the practices were fun because i would get out there and throw the ball um, basketball was probably the most stressful for me because it was my sport and it's hard I'm not a super patient individual yeah. and I'm starting to learn that I'm probably a better parent than a coach. So I'm starting <laughs> to kind of step back a little yeah. bit and, and like kind of release the reins. But uh, honestly I have, and Karen, same way she never grew up playing any, she was a soccer player like your wife and um, baseball. We, we kind of, we talked to our friends are like, Oh, baseball, it's gotta be so boring to go to those tournaments. I'm like, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Like we, we enjoy it. You know, a couple of our boys pitch, and that is a very stressful thing to watch your son out on the mound. Yeah, it's like a sure lonely is. island, mm-hmm. and it's you know you're not only feeling for them, but like I feel this pressure of like <laughs> the other parents on your team. Like when your kid's struggling, you're like yeah. you just want to crawl under a rock. Oh, gosh, I know. So I know but, it's tough. It is tough. It's it's nice to be you know it's nice to be a parent and not yeah. a coach. And, um, yeah, I mean I. I kind of coach for a living and I didn't want to coach any of my kids. And I kind of been coaching my son, Nico, as, Yeah, you know, and you do a great job years. of it too. We try, I, I would rather probably watch from the bleachers, but, um, you know, it is, it's also nice being around the kids. Yeah. Kids are great. But I know, I know exactly what you mean. The pressures and yeah. Cause you want them to succeed and you, you hate to see them struggle. Although, I mean, that's when they get better, right. Is when they're struggling yeah. and they oh, have yeah. to dig deep <clears> and, gain composure and, and not lose, especially on the mound, right? Like I, I think about all the sports out there, like your quarterback, you throw an interception, right? It's a very short moment. You throw yeah. the interception, you're on the sideline and the defense is now out there. Right, it's right. gone, right? You're 
walking kids left and right. It's amazing. There's there's no like, hey, time out it's type amazing. of thing. It's amazing, and it's amazing how the kids they bounce back. They do they're pretty just, resilient. So worried about you know, oh gosh, I hope I hope he's all right. That was a rough outing, and he's out there like you said by himself, and they somehow bounce back. And I think it's, I think that's one of the great things about the sport is. You know, there's a, a mental t- toughness you learn at a young age. and Yeah. You know, no one can bail you out. It's kind of like. I think it teaches you a lot of life lessons, too. It does, yeah. Right? I mean, sure. long term. Yep. So I think that's two out of three personal. You have any more? Well, um, you know, I notice I notice you attend a lot of Mercier's events. And, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, I. the more we talk, it starts to come back to me. I remember you being at a lot of Mercier's events. Not only is it as an athletic trainer, but I remember as, as a fan, mm-hmm. um, you know, what's it like, you know, from being a student, you know, and a fan of, to being coming back to your alma mater and having, you know, your, your kids and your wife now they're attending the games and they're, you know, they're part of the Mercier's family and, and some of the tra- tradition. What's, what's that like? To you? What does that mean to you? Well, first and foremost, I think walking into that gym is crazy because it's 90 degrees to where it used to be. Yeah. Right. Yep. They, they reconfigured the Mercier's um, gymnasium, and they literally turned it 90 degrees. But so I took, you know, our boys to uh, the Mercier's um, IEP basketball game this year. And IEP was, I think, ranked number one or number two. Yep. Yeah, were- and Mercier's beat them. But it was so cool. Allie was able to get a seat front row. And we're sitting there. And it was just, like, so exciting to, to see that competition. And, like, you kind of forget how good these, these athletes are. And they are fast. Right. Like I, when you see something on TV and, and we're talking D2, but like these guys and girls are incredible athletes and play yeah. at an incredible pace and they're going up and down the floor. And I'm like, holy cow. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, I just don't remember that speed. Are they getting quicker or is it just maybe it's oh, been think, a while? I think every year they get, they get bigger, stronger, faster every year. It's amazing. All sports. All sports. Yeah. And, the, and our basketball teams are amazing. They, but you know, especially you know the runs that Gary's had the last few years, and um, so they're they're really a special group of kids too. They're not just great athletes, but they they're phenomenal in the classroom. Um, they're really great people. Their community service to just you know from from your years you know as a student. I just you know I'm I'm glad to hear that. I mean, you really notice a lot of these these details that, yeah you know we hope you're proud of oh i'm where, super where proud i mean from. i took the boys to a baseball game last year and then uh we went to one of the homecoming football games too so i just feel as they're getting older and all three of our boys are total sports fanatics it's such a great luxury to have that ability to just go 15 minutes and be on a college campus a beautiful college campus that by the way looks nothing like when i was there all the new <laughs> academic buildings uh, i mean one of the buildings i don't even remember the name of it but it, I remember my apartment was right there. 4012 Briggs yep. is not there anymore. <laughs> and, the, you know, the bookstore moved a little bit. Then that building out in front of the library, the new dorm right next to the football field. I mean, there's just so much growth. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm extraordinarily proud of being a Mercier's alum. And, um, you know, I, I like showing that to my boys, too, because it's like it's a sense of loyalty. I've always been an extremely loyal yeah. person and um, just being proud of, of, of where you came from because without my time at Mercer's and the great professors that I had, Brad Jacobson, Sue, all of the athletic trainers, I would not be where I am right now. 
uh, hands down, I would not be where I'm at right now. I think I would still be successful, but like nowhere near to, to the degree. And they just made me so passionate about yeah. musculoskeletal care, which is like got that fire burning for orthopedics. So yeah. I, I, I thank all of them. It's an amazing group of people. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I did my grad school at Mercer, so I wasn't an undergrad, but it was just something when I came as a coach that I could just sense, you know, that, that sense of community. Everybody had a minute for you. You know, they had time for you. They wanted to go the extra mile. Um, all the professors that have ever spoke to our recruits and everything they've always told our our athletes came true. You know, the path you can take in life. And, you know, we're just, we're really proud of you and, you know, what, what you've become. And, and Oh, well, thank you. I, like I said, I, I remember, you know, you were someone who was always there. You know, you spent time, your time doing the right things and it's really good to see, you know, well, what you've been able to do. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So it's role reversal time now. So you okay. get to sit back and okay. you get to answer the questions. I don't know what's easier, right? Answering yeah, the questions right. or asking the questions. So I guess first and foremost, you've been at Mercier's now for 20, over 25 years total? I think, I think this is 25. Okay. Um, and most of those as the head yep. baseball coach. In your 25 years, what of those, I mean, you have three pages of your your CV resume. What would you say is your most proud accomplishment during that 25 years as the head baseball coach? That is really, that is one of the hardest questions I've ever been asked. That is tough. And you can give me a couple because I, I know yeah. that's a hard one for that many years to be able to come back with one. There's a lot of different, you know, something, <clears throat> I mean, just something simple as, you know, we don't, I don't, I don't know many unemployed graduates. I mean, our, our, our guys do so well in everything they do. Um, just they're really good. They're really good dads. They're really good husbands. Um, I mean, if you could roll that all up into one, I mean, that would by far be just, just the success and the character and the way our guys give back the tradition. Um, social media has brought us closer and, the way they bring in, you know, someone who played 20 years ago, 25 years ago, even when I got to Mercer's, the alums that I didn't coach that were just very gracious to me and wanted to help the current students. And they wanted to, you know, they wanted to help, uh, you know, the local baseball players. Hey, go look at Mercer's. I had such a, just, just this whole tradition, you know, there's, you know, we don't have fraternities or anything, but just this, this whole family aspect of mercy. I'm just really so, so proud of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you get, you get to a point where just the, the, the seniors kind of look out for the freshmen and, and, you know, and all the way down and, and we have this buddy system and just, just the way that just the, the Mercyhurst way is just something I'm really proud of it as a whole. I, I would say that's the, you know, the wins and the losses and all that stuff. I mean, that's, that's just, it's great, but it's, you know, we, we do this exercise every year when we tell the guys, you know, if you could just close your eyes and clap your hands and you're at, you're at the College World Series, you don't have to experience any of the season. You just get a free ticket there. You know, would you do it? You know, and, and you know, a guy or two might raise their hand. And then, you know, we always talk about how, um, you know, it's just, it's that, the journey. The journey. All those moments, like those late practices or the early morning practices or, you know, cramming for that test when, when, you know, and you're worried about, 
you know, we'll have all this other stuff to do and, you know, picking each other up and, you know, just all the, all the challenges that come along in the season, all the adversity that, you know, the loss you had that you shouldn't have lost. Yeah. You think you think it's over. And then, you know, every great season we've had, there's always been this moment where you think, you know, the sky's falling down and, you know, it's over. And then it's just the way you bounce back. So, um, obviously the, the three world series are just, you know, Cary, North Carolina is just an unbelievable place. Um, we were is that where it's always held? It's always in Cary, North Carolina. Just some of the greatest people. It's it's Team USA's training site and, okay. and their stadium where they host you know, national events. And it's just amazing how they treat you and meeting other you know other teams from all over the country and all the coaches and the ministry. How many teams make that? There's eight. There's eight regions. Okay. It's it's similar to the Division One. Sure. Um, we're a little more regionalized. So, like, if you if you were to, um, you know, be the the fourth seed in out of Pennsylvania, you wouldn't go to California. Okay. You know, you'd play in the Atlantic region. Sure. So that's the only difference between Division One and Division Two. Uh, but we have the two. We have two regionals and a super regional. Um, two of our trips to the World Series, we were able to. Um, we were able to win at Neary, which was one was at you know what's UPMC Stadium. Yeah. Now it was Jerry Litt back in 2015. Yeah. It was graduation day. All of, all our students were coming out of the. Oh man. It was. The, were they at the Warner? Yeah. Yeah. It was just. Which is right there. Yeah, it's one of the, that's probably one of the, you know, the greatest highlights. Um, then in in 20, 2019, our was it twenty. 2019 our field was just about to be renovated um we they had started you know taking the fence down and everything and we were the, the fifth seed there was like no way we we're gonna like if we won the regional we thought there's no way we we're gonna host because there's the super regional because there's so many teams ahead of us right. and the sixth seed ends up winning the other regional so we get to host oh wow so we got to host the, and, and we lost the first game we had a, we had to come back and win two and that was that was incredible. It was the last game ever at the old field. Wow. You know, before the renovations. And in 2018, we we went, to, it was in Westlawn in Reading, Pennsylvania, and we had lost five regional. They would, they'd host a bunch of regionals. It's a beautiful complex. They're really gracious people. And we were like, every time we the, it came out, it's going to be in Reading. We're like, oh, no, Reading. And that last time in 2018, <laughs> we were, we were huge underdogs. I don't, I really don't even know how this happened, but, um, you know, we end up winning that regional and kind of conquering that. Like we won at West Lawn. Now, got yeah, that monkey off. Yeah, I got that monkey off it back, and just a lot of great memories. So the, the World Series are unbelievable. Every time a player gets drafted, it's incredible. Um, every time, I, you know, we just had Chris Valmont pitching the major leagues. It's our third major leaguer. Wow. Since since I've been coaching, um, there were there are two other major leaguers before I was became the coach. So it was, there's five Merciers in just 50 years. You know, there's five guys to play. Wow. In, in the major leagues for Mercier's, which I just think is incredible. So um, it's hard to really say one moment, but yeah. um, there, there's a lot, <laughs> a lot to be proud of. So if you could go back in time, like 25 years when you were, you know, just coming out of Lewis University and you were, you were playing professional uh, independent, is that what you called it? Yeah, it was independent. Yeah. Um, and I told you, and I sat down and I said, you're going to be the Mercier's men's head baseball coach and you're going to be the head coach for well over 20 years yeah and you're going to have all these successes what would your 
answer be to me at that point? Because you were early. You were in your early yeah, 20s. That's a great question. <laughs> um, the truth of it is I didn't, even though I had head coaches in college, I just never thought that like you could actually coach for a living. I never really thought about it. And I came out here just to maybe like to Mercer's to get my master's. You know, I think at the time um, I still had aspirations of playing pro ball. I thought I was going to go back and, you know, get signed with a with an affiliated team. I thought I could just stay in shape while I coached. Um, just just the thought that I could actually do this for a living, um, I just never really could have imagined it. So I, I would have had no – I wouldn't have believed you. I would have had no idea that this could this could happen. But I – I knew I loved Mercier's. Like I just, I knew I loved it here. Uh, I knew I loved Erie. Um, I definitely, I made friends right away. Um, some of the, some of the guys on the first team were like fifty or seniors. Wow. So we were the same age. Yeah. And a lot of guys on that first team were like still really like, there was guys on the team like some of my best friends, um, and I coached them, and w they had a lot of respect for me as a coach. Like it wasn't like we were hanging out and you know like we had a player coach relationship but like they're still sure. some of my best friends and um you know i get to watch their kids grow up and yeah you know what so um i never would have i never would have believed you i never would have thought <laughs> that it was possible so i mean you've had tremendous success right in, the, in that 25 years at mercier's um all-time winning as coach in mercier's history 18 consecutive winning seasons if you had to narrow it down to like your biggest, um, I, I want to call it your superpower for coaching. W what would it be? And is there an individual or a group of individuals that you can kind of like tap on the back and say, thank you because they helped me gain that perspective or that superpower? Uh, so that's a really, we've got some really great questions. They're tough, aren't they? Uh, so <laughs> I started this, graduate i started in the mercer's graduate program and i mercer's was just starting grad graduate programs in general and they started this organizational leadership and it was it was only a certificate and i was the first i was probably in the first class and i didn't really know what it was but i was up here and mercer's was paying for it i thought i would give it a try and <clears throat> um, i just remember the first first few weeks of the class talking about leadership styles and i never heard of the professor was talking about like some of the great teachers I've had, some of the great coaches, but they were talking about them in formal terms like servant leadership and transformational leadership and what type of leader are you? And it just, it, it started hitting me that some of the people that I admired the most had these great leadership qualities. And then I started to think I, I could be that. Like I kind of had this perception of coaches because, of like yellers and screamers and mm -hmm. you know hardcore but some of the best that i had that i that i enjoyed the most weren't yellers and screamers and they were these really like servant like they wanted to help you with everything and they wanted to try to like you know make you your best self and mm -hmm. just going through this program started just making me re really confident in being who um you know who who i was and not something else and you know just like my dad you know he he didn't know a ton about baseball but he would always volunteer and coach and he was very transformational you know mm -hmm. he would he would make people really confident in themselves he was very he was very good at that and i i had a lot of that in me and i started to realize that my my high school football coach he's he's a legend he's the winningest coach in new york state history 
barely raise his voice. And if he did, you would feel like you let him down so much that, you know, you never wanted to do that. He was, and I just, you know, I just started letting myself be like some of the, the great leaders mm -hmm. that I admired. And, um, that's kind of, that's really kind of it. It's, it's a lot of relationship building, um, wanting to make my, whether it's, you know, the starting center fielder or the last person on the bench, wanting them to be their best selves. Like mm -hmm. we have this, we kind of have the saying, th there's the cliche, like there's no I in team. Mm -hmm. You know, we all heard that. Well, we always talk about like, we have a whole bunch of eyes in this team. Like there's a whole bunch of individuals that like, if we can get them all to be their best and their best doesn't have to be all conference. Their best could just be some way to like help the team and like, just, just move on, do really well in school, move on, just whatever's their best self, like it'll make the team better. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of been, you know, our philosophy. Um, I believe in servant leadership. Um, it's, it's very important to me that like when you leave our program, you're going to be successful. You're going to get a job. I want to be the, I want to be the first letter of recommendation. And a lot of times we talk about like, if we have to have conversations in the office, it's like, what am I going to write on that first letter? Right. You know, is this something we want to, and, and it just, it just makes them think about it. And, um, <laughs> it's, it, it really hasn't been hard for me. Like I, I don't sit back and think about how hard, um, you know, the snow, removing snow from the field has been hard. And yeah. Some of that stuff's been hard, but the relationships with the players and like getting the best out of them, it, it's not hard It really Mercer attracts really early kids and we just get to make them the best they can be. Yeah. So, um, I think that's really, that's really, it. I don't think I know any more baseball than anybody. I mean, I, you know, some, uh, I think you're being, <laughs> <laughs> I like to learn, you know, we, we do, we do a lot of research. Um, our coaching convention in, you know, our, our coaches association, ABCA, it's an amazing resource, it, you know, for what you pay and what you get just similar to when you were a student and you yeah. probably went to the athletic training convention. It's just, um, the clinics you can go to, uh, the people you meet that always want to help you out, uh, the literature, the exhibits where you can go and, you know, see mm -hmm. demonstrations. We're kind of nerds for that stuff, you know, to myself and my brother and all the assistant coaches we've had. We, we go to these things where we really just soak it in and we just can't wait to bring it back to our guys. Yeah. You know, and, um, I don't. I don't think it's any secret, though. I don't. I honestly don't think it's. Uh, well, you've developed special. an unbelievable program, an unbelievable reputation and culture, and I mean that's something that you should be extremely proud of. And again, I'm proud to be sitting here with you as, <laughs> as the head coach of Mercyhurst. Thank and you. that means a lot. To me. Yeah. So, personal questions. So, you're from New York, right? Yep. You said you grew up in in Queens. Yes. So, were you um, were you a Yankees fan? yourself I, even though i lived in queens uh, we were yankees fans okay so my dad was a big yankees fan uh, my grandfather was a mets fan we lived you know around the corner from each other but did you hate the mets or was um, it yeah i i did really didn't like the mets i don't know why um but i just didn't i liked a lot of the Met. like i loved daryl strawberry mm -hmm. <clears throat> i love lenny dykstra i love that era of the mets like i love the players as individuals but there was just something about the mets that um, rubbed me the wrong. My, my, I hated the Red Sox more. Yeah. Um, but my dad used to call it the trifecta when the Yankees won and the Mets and the Red Sox lost in the same day. It was like <laughs> the best day ever. So yeah, for some reason, um, just just never liked the Mets. 
And, and would you go to baseball games quite a bit when you were growing we up? We did. We we were we old were old Yankee Stadium. We went to the old Yankee Stadium a lot. Um, it wasn't it wasn't that tough to get tickets. Um, we bought from scalpers a lot. You know, we we would wait till after the first inning and and go in a lot of times, but um, with friends and and things like that. But my we were lucky. Like my dad and uncles and different friend, family friends would take us to Yankee games as well. But but yeah, when we got a little bit older, we would just like get the really cheap tickets we, when i was in boston we would do the same thing i live right across the street from fenway park and we would just wait till like the first inning and would you wear your yankees gear in there uh yeah I, i'm not really the type that really <coughs> wants to antagonize anybody yeah so uh, no, yeah you don't I strike was, me i was a, i was respectful of the red Sox, and i was very we got, i got to play at fenway too oh wow we got when we, you were at boston yeah we got quite a few games that's awesome and it was you i ever hit any home runs no, I hit I hit the Dreamonts a few times. There was the New England All Star game, and we got to take batting practice. So in batting practice, I got to hit the wow. All a couple of times, but no, never in a game, no home runs. So who, you know, was your favorite player growing up, and your favorite team of all time growing up? Like, uh, obviously, it's going to be a Yankees team most likely, but yeah. like, what year? And who, if you had to say, like, this is my all time favorite baseball player? My all time favorite baseball player is probably Don Mattingly. Um, he was a first baseman, left-handed hitter for the Yankees. And Were you lefty? I wasn't lefty, but I just yeah. – I had a real appreciation. There was a lot of uh, – there was a lot of articles and things about how hard he worked and what a student of the game he was. And I remember my dad used to make me read the articles, and, you know, he used to hit off the tee a lot and just do all this individual work. And, you know, my dad was like, yeah, you should do that like Dom had. But he was – the Yankees weren't great, you know, for, for hit during his era, like right – Towards the end is when they started getting like Derek Jeter. Yeah. They started getting really good again. So we were always room for him. We wanted him to. There was that strike year where they were, the Yankees were good, and he mm -hmm. probably would have, but they didn't finish the season. So he was, and he just was a really, he was clutch. You know, he always got the big hit. And mm -hmm. He was no, no, not flashy at all. You know, very humble. So I was a really big Don Mattingly fan. Um, all time favorite team in, um, Probably like the 2000 Yankees. So know. was that, uh, so Jeter, Jeter was a, a young player at that point, right? Yeah, he was probably like fourth and fifth year, sixth year. That was that Subway series. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was really. That I, was just, I watched The Captain. I'm sure you watched it, right? Yeah, I watched at least parts of it. Oh, I, I watched the whole thing. Yeah. And I love all those types of series, like obviously The Last Dance, which our viewers can't see. It's playing on this TV <laughs> over here. It's playing on the big TV out in the basement. yeah. yeah. Huge Jordan. I just love um, those types of players that yeah. were like transformational, yeah. generational type players. The Derek Jeters, the Michael Jordans, the Tom Brady's, you know, that just Tiger Woods. Yep. They went to that next level, and it was oftentimes because of their diligence, their dedication, their focus. They weren't always, um, you know, the best athletes, and I think that's definitely evident with like Tom Brady. Yeah. Right? But oh, yeah. he was just a competitor. Yeah. Right. Gosh. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That many years. So, all right. Another personal question, um, more family oriented. So four kids, Jillian's the oldest. She's yep. you said 23, 22, yeah, 22. Um, you, you, that your son is then Joey's next 17. He's okay. going to be a senior at prep and he's going to pit. He's committed to pit yeah, he's to play baseball. Yeah. That's awesome. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. And then you've got, what's your daughter's Natalie name? Natalie is 15 she's going to be a sophomore at prep 
and she's she's more of a basketball. She's a basketball player. Okay. Which, um, does Does Joey play any other sports other than baseball? Joey, pro- his his love is probably basketball. Like we're a big <laughs> really? basketball family. Um, I you know if I I probably shouldn't say this, but if I had to choose, I'm a basketball person deep really? down inside. That's my favorite. Like sport. watching it or playing it. Watching it play. I played three sports in high school. Um, obviously. You know, I might have been challenged in some athletic abilities, <laughs> so baseball was probably a better option sure. for me. You play football too, or what was your football? Also, okay, yeah, yeah. Wow, so See, I'm, I'm learning more. Football and, and baseball and in college, and I probably could have played some Division three basketball. Okay, uh, which which was which would have been fine, but I I had some good opportunities in baseball, and uh, it was probably of the three, it was probably my least favorite sport, but baseball probably. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I love I love basketball. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's really. Do you still Knicks. watch it a lot? I don't miss a Knicks game if I don't have to. I'm a we are and I gave it's a curse. And I gave it to my kids. I didn't want to, but we're just all cursed. Recently. They're all Knicks fans. They're all Knicks fans. And then Nico. my wife's a, a Bulls fan. Yeah. We'll get to your wife in a second. Yeah. But Nico, he's twelve, correct? He's 12, right? And he obviously plays baseball, plays yeah. basketball he plays as well. Plays basketball, yeah. Right. Also, so yeah. um your wife, she's a Chicago fan. So how does that work? I mean, you you were you knew her, yeah. Towards the the latter, yeah. Like championships five and six, yeah. probably right for yep. the Bulls, and I won't say that the Knicks were um, irrelevant at that point. They had a couple great runs a couple years prior to that, yeah. right? Especially when Jordan was out. Oh, the the Bulls had to step on the Knicks every chance they could to get to the, and it was it was painful. Did you hate the Bulls? I. I, I did. I hated him. Yeah. I appreciate <laughs> Michael Jordan. I I think the world of him now more than ever. And I don't know that you can compare anybody. I'm not going to say any names. Anybody even close to him. Maybe Kobe Bryant. But yeah, I think he's the most amazing athlete I've ever seen in my life. The most amazing competitor. And so I appreciate him. And I always did. And I, I had to watch all my friends at Lewis. I think we went downtown for the parade after they won five or six. Wow. So that would have um, been awesome. Did you ever get to see Jordan play? Uh, I never saw him live. I never. I was never at a Bulls game live. I was at Knicks games during that era, but I don't think I ever saw Jordan live. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, now that I know you're such a huge basketball fan, my third question actually just changed. <laughs> so, um, one of my first guests was Bill Spiros. He's a, a attorney at McDonald Dilley Law Firm. One of my very good friends, and his question to me. I'm going to ask it a little bit differently so that it can be a little bit more active and to me a little bit more fair. He asked me, all-time five, your starting five, and I'm going to have my starting five. Okay. We can't repeat players. He got to name his five first, yeah. and then I got, I won't say the table scraps yeah. because there's a lot of great players, but it became very challenging. So um, as my guest, I'm going to let you go first. We'll go position. So you're... you're your point guard and they have to play each other. Like my five plays your yeah. five. Okay. Point guard. Um, can we call Curry a point guard? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Yeah. You taking him? I'll take him. Curry. Yeah. That was my, that was my point guard for, sorry. No, that's all right. Um, so I have to figure out somebody that I think can match up with him because Curry, I mean, obviously he's, he's probably my favorite current player yeah. right now. I just, I love, yeah. I, I'm, I'm taller, but I wouldn't be tall in college basketball. Right. I'm 6'3", but I can't really jump. Wasn't that quick. Yeah. But I could shoot back in the day. Yeah. So that's why I really love, like, that Golden State Warriors or Splash Brothers. So 
Um, let's see who I'm going to go with. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to go, and, and I don't, I think he would struggle a little bit defensively on Curry, but I think offensively he would, I won't say dominate Curry because Curry's not the best defender. I'm going to go with Magic for my, oh, wow. for my point oh, guard. Yeah. I think tough, he, you could maybe bring him match. down in the post a little bit. That's a tough matchup. And make, make Curry have to guard him in the post. That's a really tough matchup. All right, so now what we'll do is, like, I get the next because I know you're going to Okay, pick. okay. <laughs> we'll alternate that way. So I'm going Jordan okay. with, with my, my shooting guard. I don't think I have to explain anything. And, no, um, I mean, I've had debates about the GOAT with LeBron, and I, I don't even put him in my conversation. Um, I, I think, yeah, quite honestly, Kobe is the closest to Jordan from a competitive standpoint and, like, yeah. his game. Yeah. Right? He was just dominant. So who's, Can I who's go your Kobe as? Yeah, Kobe, I think yeah. that'd be a great matchup. Yeah, that would be a great matchup. And I, I, I think that some games Kobe's gonna make Jordan take it on the chin, and we're talking like their primes, obviously. Yeah. Um, so all right, so now you get your your small forward. Small forward. I'll let you go first. You want me to go first? I'll let you go first. Yeah. All right. Well, then I'll give you the last two. Um. I'm going Scotty. I, I mean, I just feel like he is such a good uh, defender, yet a great one-two punch with either Jordan or whoever else. He he can score, but like very, I won't say underrated because he he was oftentimes defensive yeah. first team, right? Yeah. But um, I think most people just thought he's Jordan's running mate, but like he was during his prime could have been any other yeah. team's go-to player. Um. Can we say Giannis as a three? I can give you Giannis as a three. Okay. Yeah. We can have some flexibility with this. Okay. That's a I tough. I just like the matchup. I like that matchup too. Yeah. I saw a picture of Giannis um, with his brothers in Greece, like just recently on like a yeah. family vacation. That dude is jacked. Like <laughs> you could always yeah. tell by his arms, but like he, he had like a V shape when he didn't have a shirt on. It was just like his lats were huge and yeah. what a freak athlete. Yeah. I mean, he can get down the floor in like three steps. Yeah. And no one can stop him when he's going to the hole, too. Yeah. All right, I'll give you four. You, you pick your, your power four. forward. Um, can we call um, Dirk Nowinski a four? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that because it's going to give me the, some latitude to go with someone that I generally wouldn't say is a four. I think they're three slash four, but I'm going Larry. Oh, wow. Because I like the matchup yeah. of Dirk and Larry. That's a really good matchup, yeah. Right? Because they're kind of similar, very similar players. They are, yeah. I mean, they both are, um, I think, extremely smart yeah. basketball players, right? Like their IQ is off the charts. Yep. I, I think Bird is probably one of uh, the, the smartest yeah. players. Like his highlights are just ridiculous. From, to watch. from an athleticism standpoint, I remember wondering how does Bird do it and i remember when when dirk when they won the championship i was like how is he doing I mean, he was he's getting off the floor this I far know. and he was pretty banged up for that you know for the championship yeah and he yeah so i that's a that's a very good this is gonna be a good game i wish we could game. really like simulate this yeah so how about i'll give you, you you pick your your center i gotta go Shaq. yeah i figured that's that's i mean that's a pretty dominant one of the most dominant yeah, that's a tough one for me to even like compete against because you, you, so many great centers. Whether yeah. you're going to say Kareem, yeah. uh, Wilt, but like I honestly think Shaq would would push yeah. those guys around because he just had 
the size and uh, yeah, yeah, there was just yeah. Who who am I gonna go with? Might as well go with like Luke Longley or something. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no um, I mean it's hard to kind of go against, um, you know, Kareem being. Uh, I mean, uh, up until LeBron took the all-time scoring position, like yeah. I, I think he he had enough of a game that Shaq he would keep Shaq honest. Yeah, right. Like um, he could he could do the sky hook, and and I think that'd be tough for Shaq to defend would be oh. that's a that's a really good these are good matchups yeah for sure so the next thing that we do is we go into what's called and you'll appreciate this a little baseball ref, reference so we call it the sawbone seventh inning shoe stretch so okay. for those of you that know me i'm a huge sneaker uh sneaker head love my shoes particularly jordan's and i ask my guests to come wear either a, 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 their favorite pair of shoes or a pair of shoes that have meaning to people and maybe a story so what are you wearing here, Joe? So, I uh, I chose these Under Armour shoes for uh, this. This has some sentimental value to me because um, my former boss, who just Brad Davis, who just left for Mount St. Mary, um, when he came to Mercyhurst, he wanted to convert Mercyhurst to an all school um, apparel contract, and he wanted you know he he preferred Under Armour mm-hmm. and had that at Merrimack and. Um, I was more of a Nike person. Um, and we kind of, as a department, we kind of, you know, we all had different brands. And we mm-hmm. all were just looking for the best deal. And and I was a little resistant to it. And um, I really didn't like Under Armour sneakers mm-hmm. uh, or footwear in general. Cleats, turfs. Was not but your point guard's in Under Armour wear. That is true. That is true. <laughs> uh, so... So anyway, um, you know, we, we all had to kind of cave in. He gave us some leverage on, like, the actual baseball gear. So we still use, like, the Rawlings and stuff like that. We have a good contract. But he footwear, he said, you have to promise me you're going you're gonna to go in Under Armour. And I said, well, Brad, they're the, the worst for shoes. <laughs> and um, this pair of shoes I have on, I wear all the time. They look it's super the most comfy. comfortable shoes I've ever worn. So... Brad, you you were right. Under Armour is a phenomenal company, and these shoes are fantastic. They've come a really long way since the early Under Armour footwear days. And those look uh, sneaky clean too. Like, do you just get those out of the box, or I I, I have a wife that's pretty obsessed with uh, shoe cleanliness. Okay. So um, she finds a way. Whether it's uh, she has some she has some tricks to make sure our our, our sneakers are always. My boys have shoe cleaning kits (laughs) and they watch stuff on YouTube all the time. I'm like, oh, they love, they love shoes. They got that from me, obviously. Karen likes shoes too, but I have way more shoes than she does. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm wearing, I thought it was appropriate being two Mercier's guys to wear the uh, Jordan one low uh, lucky greens. So little Kelly green. uh, It's not quite matching the the no, hunter, but, hunter green hey, but but that was our green back in the day it we was it, yeah. you know i wish they would go back to that i thought that with like more of that royal blue was a very very cool combo and then they went to more of this uh, is this hunter green or what yeah, it's would like, you, a hun- like a hunter green or yeah and, green, and more of like a navy, navy blue yeah right and i mean it's just still a good color combo but yeah. i i loved that they were really cool yeah. yeah we should do some throwbacks for sure yeah i mean get some of the old um Basketball jerseys, baseball stuff. The Royal and Kelly was a pretty, oh yeah, pretty cool combo. They would make a really nice. Throwback. Put a nice shamrock on the back or something yep, like that too. Sure. Yeah. So um, the next thing that we do, and this is, I'm a little 
scared now that I hear that you were a basketball player. So we okay. go into what's uh, called the Sawbones Challenge. Okay. Have you seen any of the episodes yet? Just, I'm not this deep into the podcast. So Yeah, you got bored after the first 10 minutes. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I love it. I so love it. Th- this is something that I've done from episode one, and it's fun. Um, we're going to go outside. We're gonna, okay. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a three point contest. Okay. All right. So, what position did you play in basketball? Uh, don't tell me would, shooting guard. Would, don't tell me no, shooting guard. No, definitely don't not shooting guard. I I would say um, one of the rival coaches, who was a famous head coach who who also coached baseball, used to call me the football player. So I guess the position it was probably like a like a four. Okay. You know. So you would you would you would get down there and pound it out I, and get physical. I thought and, I was better than that. You know, but the coach said, you know, hey, first of all, no one's allowed to dunk. <laughs> we we were, you know, it was a New York City basketball team and tremendous basketball. And we didn't always have. Um, Is it Rucker Park or what's the. Rucker Park. Yeah. Did you ever play there? Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. I mean, I'm not in like the, the games you see on TV. Yeah. And like one tour or anything. But yeah, like a pickup game. With my wow. And stuff. That must have been pretty cool. It's fun. You know, you don't think about it when you're, you know, that age that it's like a famous thing you know but we used to try to go to like some of the some of the good parks where there's like good pickup basketball and stuff i'm a little worried though because my record was pretty good here but now i think he's no, gonna think he's gonna buzzsaw me you'll, here you'll be all right i think so well let's let's get after it all right all, all right. right yeah okay so stay tuned we're going to do the sawbones challenge next and um we'll come back wrap it up after that so looking forward to it ladies and gentlemen Welcome to the main event. All right, it's a Sawbones Challenge. I think this is episode like seven or so. So we got Coach Joe Spano versus myself. So Joe, the way this works is uh, first to five, right? So we alternate shots. I always have my guests. You go first, and we'll just alternate. First one to make the fifth one. We got Anthony over here. Anthony Molly is a rebounder. I watched Joe warm up, and I think he's a bit of a sandbagger. He goes, he was, he airballed his first shot, and then all of a sudden, he's just progressively getting closer. Average goes out. You hit in front of him. There it is.
Here it is. I love watching them play. So much heart. Uh oh. Here it is. There it is. Good matchup. Stay tuned, Sawbones Challenge. Hey, let's have some uh, props for our rebounder. Look at the camera. Give him a thumbs up. All right, thanks All right. for tuning in to the uh, Sawbones Challenge, as always. Um, again, it was a great day. We're going to conclude this now. Um, as always, what, what I always try to do is kind of wrap it up and say, you know, where do you see yourself? 5, 10, 15 years? I mean, you've got Nico. He's, he's 12, so I would imagine... Probably would like to keep him in the area to be able yeah. to get through school and yeah. off to playing D1 baseball somewhere or getting drafted right yeah. out of high school. Um, you know, we have a we have an expression, you know, one pitch at a time. Love so it. So when, you know, when, when we're dealing with, uh, with these four kids, Tina and I were just always just day, day by day. So um, hopefully, like you said, they're all getting through college and doing great things. And hopefully, I mean, I love where I am right now. So hopefully we're doing the same thing. Yeah, I think that's such a great perspective because it's very easy to kind of get ahead and um, focused on like a destination. And when you were talking about what you were so proud of too, um, which was like the journey. And to me, that's one thing that I've definitely embraced over probably the past decade um, is just the journey. And, and I remember in high school, you know, playing basketball, all I wanted to do was I wanted to get to the games. I wanted to get to the games. I couldn't stand practice. My senior year, something changed. And I actually think I enjoyed the practices more yeah. than I enjoyed the, the games. Didn't mean that I didn't enjoy the games, but no, I know exactly what you mean. There was something about because I knew it was it for yeah. me. I knew I wasn't playing college ball, yeah. and I knew it was it. And I enjoyed every moment of it. It it was hard, but I enjoy. I embraced and enjoyed that like struggle because I knew it was going to make us better. And I just became more of a leader during that season to like push my teammates when we're running suicides and you think you can't do another one. And you're like. Come on, yeah. gotta dig a little deeper. Yeah, it's the it's the best, so, the best memories. Yeah. And the same thing with our boys. It's like one pitch at a time. I love that yeah. that saying. And um, next play, right? Next play, yeah. You got you got to shake off whatever happened, whether it was an error in a sport or a mistake in your life. Yeah. Right, and just day by day, moment by moment, and enjoy yeah. where you're at. That's right. Right, and I'm enjoying this right now, sitting right here. <laughs> this was a good time. So, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for again, me. Joe. Really, really appreciate having you. Thank you. All right. Best of luck with everything. Let's get. Thank you. Best of luck to you. Your, your 18 consecutive seasons is that running right now? Season. Uh, uh, I think it is. Yeah. So yeah, let's. Yeah, good sure luck on 19. Can. Thank you. So thank you, guys, girls. Make sure to uh, tune in and support this guy as well as Mercer Athletics in general. I would love to see you guys come out to some of the games and and support the baseball team, all, all the athletics. So. Have a great day and make sure to stay tuned because we're going to do our preview for uh, next week's episode as well. And make sure that you subscribe. Um, make sure you, you you like, maybe have some comments. Oh, and before I go, there is actually one more thing I need to do. Uh, one of our guests, um, Jay's son, actually, the guy that edits this for me, his name's Ty Witoski. He asked me a question and um, we'll play that question here and then I'll give you my response. Hi, Dr. Molly. My name is Ty Witoski. And Recently, while I was watching your podcast, a question came up between you and your guest. What would your all-time uh, NBA team be? And that got me thinking, and a question popped in my head. What would your 
um, all-time three-on-three team be? Four players. So Ty's question obviously was, you know, if I had to do, he saw one of the previous episodes, he'll probably like this episode too, where we're doing, you know, our five best players matching up against each other. But he knew that I played three-on-three basketball growing up, and I liked three-on-three almost more than five-on-five. I felt like you could do a little bit more. The spacing was better. And he asked me my if I had to pick three, like, all-time. Uh, he actually asked me for four, so you could have a sub. Um, so my four players for a three-on-three tournament would be Allen Iverson. Um, and, and it's going to be funny because you're not going to think that. I'm going to go with Ray Allen. And I'm going to go with Carl Malone. And I, as my starting uh, three, my fourth guy coming in off the bench kind of could probably play any position. Great. Tra- you got to have a trash talker on your team. And I've got Allen Iverson. I think Ray Allen's a pretty good trash talker. Carl Malone could do his. And he's going to get a lot of rebounds. But Larry Bird is is coming off my bench. And, um, you know, he's going to get you some big buckets, some big assists. And and he's definitely going to get in your uh, opponent's heads, too. So that's, that's my three-on-three team. So... Thanks again for tuning in. Stay tuned for next week. Have a great day. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Dr. David Hutzel. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Spent two years on an aircraft carrier, the George Washington, and was deployed uh, to the Persian Gulf, and that was very exciting. It was uh, difficult leaving my wife, but uh, the most romantic and happy day of my life was uh, seeing her on the pier with uh, two uh, little babies. Before we get too much further, I, I mean, are you thirsty? You, you want a little beverage? I'm good. No, I'm actually okay. Well, I'm going to give you one anyways because it's <laughs> part of the show. <laughs> so truck, um, actually, I, I pre-ordered um, one of the electric Hummer EV trucks three years ago. Wow. Yeah. And okay. they are telling me that now I won't get it until 2025, five years. That was powerful. So, and that yeah. was awesome. Yeah, thanks. And way more than anyone has ever shared with the seventh inning shoe stretch or probably any other part of this podcast. So thank you for being vulnerable, sure. Sure. for being open, for being honest. Tell me all about it, Doc.